This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Wednesday, the 22nd of March, 2023. Coming up, more of your feedback. And why is Apple's personal assistant so terrible? You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you today? <laughs> that, was, that was a tough start there. <laughs> why is it so terrible? Why is it I'm, so terrible? I'm falling a bit, Stephen Scott, oh. but you know, I'm I'm here with a smile on my face as ever. How are you? What's wrong with you now? You were complaining on Monday. <sighs> yes. Complaining again. Yes, yes. Well, my toothache has got worse. So, of course, I'm... There's nothing... You forget, don't you? I thought, how bad can toothache actually be? And for the entire weekend, I never slept. And then, oh, it's awful. I've got a tooth infection. My jaw has swollen up to... I look like a horse, basically. I look like American Dad. It's ridiculous. Wow. Well, there's an image. A Thank horse you. and American Dad. I'm trying to put those two together. Uh, I, I was told once that I looked like Peter Griffin from Family Guy. Oh, there you go. What a pair. <laughs> Hello, ladies. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Well, look, I know that that's, that start would make you think, oh, he, great. <laughs> He's just going to sit there and moan and rant okay. all about Siri for the next hour. I, I'm not. And even though I know that Jocelyn, who follows us on Twitter... Uh, loves a good rant from me. Not today. Not today. I'm bringing facts to the equation today. Wow. What's yeah, changed? I don't know what's going on in this show. I mean, <laughs> yesterday we were giving people advice, sought out advice, mm-hmm. information. Uh, today yes. I'm bringing you facts. This show is changing. I don't like it. I'm going back to the old love. days. We just made it up as we went along. Yes. Well, it's not totally gone. Those no, days do, yeah. <laughs> do come back. <laughs> this is uh, actually New York Times reporting uh, that John Burkey, who was hired by Apple back in 2014 to work on its voice assistant, and you can probably guess no longer works there, told the New York Times that Siri is built around a huge database of words that it was programmed to understand. And if a word a user says isn't in that database, then Siri doesn't know how to respond to it. I guess that makes sense, right? That's It's built around a language. <laughs> Uh, you know, a yes, database but, of words rather than natural that, language like ChatGPT. Isn't that how all voice recognition works? There's a database of words, and if it doesn't recognise something, it doesn't work. Well, yes, that's, that's not news. It's not news, but I think it does give us a bit of an understanding as to how Siri works in comparison to other devices. Now, I don't know. It doesn't say here, because it's not comparing, for example, the Amazon Echo and the Google Home. It's kind of going straight to, in this article, to ChatGPT, which I think is maybe a bit unfair. Yes, ChatGPT is why we're, why we're so amazed is because of the way it handles natural language, both in accepting it in your question and its response. It's absolutely amazing. That's the thing that's blowing us away at the minute. So, yeah, I think that is a little bit unfair. But let's not forget that Apple bought Siri. Siri was just an app in the App Store. They bought it. Um, they haven't developed it themselves. Obviously, they've you know developed it since then, since, was it the 4? The iPhone yeah, 4 when Siri came about, 4S. Um, but um, I did read some other articles here and there about how, you know, in response to chat, chat GPT, how they're going to work on it and supersize it and everything. Okay, I think everyone's thinking that at the minute <laughs> in response to chat GPT. I think every, you know, Google themselves are saying, oh, we've left this too late. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean, there's no doubt that it needs some improvement, right? Well, Berkey says uh, in the New York Times article that the database made the system very difficult to work on. So seemingly simple updates, like just adding some new phrases to the data set, would require rebuilding the entire database, which could take up to six weeks. Okay, Adding more complex features like new search tools could take nearly a year. Now, I have to say, if that's the case, if that is the amount of work it takes just to make a little update to Siri then no wonder it hasn't moved forward. And actually, it would maybe be better at this point if they just threw out the whole thing. Scrub it. And start something new. Like, for example, bringing in ChatGPT, right? That would be possibly a good way of doing it. It says, and and like you were saying, Apple are reportedly working on a more sophisticated voice system. They haven't 
detailed that at this point. Many engineers, though, according to the New York Times, including members of the city team, have been testing language-generating concepts every week. Oh, yes. every week? Every week. What does um, that actually mean? I don't know. Um, well, okay, nine to cool. five Mac reports, Apple is testing new language, uh, natural language generation features for Siri. These are reportedly being tested already in TV, tvOS 16.4 beta and will be eventually expanded to more of Apple's operating systems. Right, get your get your TV out. And get the beta on there because I don't know what this is, but that that's that's interesting. I mean, basically, the bottom line is, you know, Apple may be accused of falling asleep at the wheel here. I don't think they have. I don't think any of these companies truly have fallen asleep at the wheel. I think Microsoft have got involved with a company that was very far ahead, and they've put a lot of investment into that company. You know, they are very very far ahead in the game, and I think the other companies will catch up. It's interesting, I was listening to a podcast about this, and there was a lot of talk around what will happen with Apple and the sort of chat GPT world. What will, what will it look like? And, and the challenge, it seems, from the experts in the know around this is that Apple as a company are just not ready for this. They're not, they don't work at that kind of pace. It's not built in that way. We, and we know for years that Apple were generally bringing up the rear on a lot of different things. I mean, you could say Apple Glass, when it finally makes its appearance, it's kind of just coming in at a point when other companies have tried this, you know, and failed, yeah. granted. But, you know, the, the point is that a lot of features that we see in Apple products tend to come later. And that's, well, that's why the it's, they it's, wait it's and challenging. See. Yeah, they but, but the, the problem improve. is everything's moving so quickly in this field. I mean, ChatGPT is upgrading. I mean, we're at version four now, and it's only been out a few months. Yeah. I, I, to be honest, though, I think, as I said, I think the whole tech world has been surprised by the progress of chat GPT. And let's not forget that there are so many different projects that these big tech companies invest in that never see the light of day that fall over and die. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that, you know, they, Microsoft took a chance on this and it paid off at the end of the day. Everyone else is working on it, but they haven't hit this this level yet that chat GPT has or open AI have, to be, uh, to be exact. So, yeah, I think... There becomes a point like with the Google search where everyone just sort of, how much does Apple pay to have Google search in Safari? It's billions they pay Google. And I got to start to think, you know, is it the same with OpenAI? Do they just pay and say it's easier than developing our own but that just would to license sense, another? It? That would be the sensible approach. I mean, I know it's unlikely because of the nature of how Apple works. I think someone or one of our listeners said it's the most paranoid company on earth. And I think there's probably truth to that. I think it is a very paranoid company. I don't know why it needs to be or why it feels it needs to be. Because it's worked. That's why. Yeah, Their closed wall approach, their handling of software and hardware across the complete line works. They, they, they're, they're the richest company in the world. Well, you say that, but then look at OpenAI. It came out of what felt like nowhere. Yeah, and look at the okay. capabilities of that, you know. So I, I think there's different ways that I always felt when when Steve Jobs left the company uh, and he, you know, eventually took you know, left the organization before he died. I thought maybe there's an opportunity here for them to take a different direction and be a bit more open. And there was a feeling after Steve Jobs died that that's what would happen. There would be a a move away from this approach where everything has to be closed in and you can't speak. But that's never really nothing's changed. Nothing's moved on. And it actually gets to the point of irritating, especially in our accessibility world, where we start to feel like we just never get answers to anything. We never know what's going on. We never know yep. because we never get told. We, we, we see updates as they come, but we never really understand the, the history behind it. That's right through to the Apple Core, though, right? That's never going to change. That's Apple how Core, they are. Like that. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. I know. I just carried on trucking. See, I didn't even stop for the pun. It was amazing. That's very impressive. Very impressive. Um Listen, before I move on, I just want to see if I can send you a message here, Sean. Um, I'm just going to send Ooh. you a BBM. Is that okay? Can I send you a I'd BBM? I'd like the sound of that, but yes, of course you can. <laughs> I would love a BBM, please. I used to love getting BBMs. Did you ever get BBMs? No. Wasn't that what? that robot in Star Wars? Blackberry BBM? Messenger. Oh, uh, that was before my time, Grandad. Oh, I don't come know. come on. No. Honestly, Blackberry. Whatever happened to them, eh? Uh, (laughs) they were ruling the world well i would say the business world i'll be honest but yes they were breaking into um you know culture as well well what is most interesting is following movies about apple and about facebook uh there is now an upcoming movie which i had to 
honestly, I kind of thought it was a joke when I read about this. I thought this was someone <laughs> making this up. But it's a movie all about BlackBerry, and it's called BlackBerry. Uh, that is the name of the movie. They certainly didn't uh, get into a lot of detail about that. They could have called it something else. I don't know what they could have called it. Berry. Oh, that's cool. It makes sense. Yeah. It's, yeah, you know, it does. says what it does, a BlackBerry. Well, I kind of like the Facebook one because it was called The Social Network, which I thought was quite good. What was, was The good... Social Dilemma? Was that the same thing? Well, that was, that was, <laughs> no, no, definitely not. No, that I haven't was, seen any of them. Yeah, The Social Dilemma was the Netflix documentary, but The, the Social Network was the movie about Facebook. Ah, uh, yes. Um, but yeah, BlackBerry is an upcoming movie about the phone. And it stars lots of people who I have no idea who they are, uh, and I don't really care. But it does look as if the movie will cover how the keyboard phone, as it's known, became the de facto business communicator and how it ended up losing out to the smartphone. Um, And it's just interesting to learn about this. I think a lot of people probably know this story, or at at least they know about the rise of Facebook. I don't know if people understand the fall of Facebook. I certainly don't feel I know Hang a lot on, about Blackberry. it. Blackberry. Uh, yeah, Not sorry. Facebook. <laughs> Not Facebook, sorry, yeah. Um, Blackberry I'm talking about here. Um, yeah, the rise and fall of Blackberry. It, it, it is a really interesting story, though. It is. And especially if we get some more inside stories that we didn't actually know about. Because we know, that, you know, know the majority that the iPhone killed every single thing in, in the tech world, basically. Mm-hmm. But there is more to it. And the way that they transitioned and tried to come back subsequent to the iPhone as well. So there's some really interesting stories there, I'm sure. So, yeah, sounds cool. I love a good tech movie. Yeah, well, this is uh, set to release in theatres on May 12th. Uh, and, of course, it's talking about BlackBerry, but it's the company behind BlackBerry, which was known as Research in Motion, uh, which was the hot new tech company of the time. I remember getting my first BlackBerry, and I will say this. I remember there was a period of time when they had a screen reader. I remember the BlackBerry screen reader that you had to sideload onto this thing. And it kind of worked. It wasn't brilliant at all. I mean, if you had no vision, this was not an option for you. I had low vision enough to be able to use it at the highest tech setting. And it was actually it was actually the only phone at the time that I yes. remember I could get the text size up to about 56 point. And that was the only device I could do that on. I had the BlackBerry Curve, I think like the 9360. I can't remember the name of it, the number of it, but it was something like that. And then I had the BlackBerry Bold. BlackBerry Bold, that was a good one. Because that was that oh, was like their that was their posh that was, ones. That was the posh business one, wasn't it? That was it? the posh business ones. But you know, yes. when you when you're in a company, you got the curve. Um actually I prefer that the, the earliest ones were my favourite. The earliest ones, because they were it's built how really excited well. you are. Oh, oh no, I was it's it just nice. me back. But it had a keyboard, had an actual physical keyboard on that thing. Yeah, okay, cool. <sighs> Well, I was excited I'm sticking with my Nokia's with talks. That's the that's the future, <laughs> that's sir. The future, yeah. It was all about the accessibility for me, and as you said, of the course. accessibility on the Blackberries were uh, pants. Let's put it that way. So um, yeah, yeah, it was no go, even though they did rule the world for a while. Indeed, oh, sad. Uh, okay, let's get some of your emails because, of course, there's uh, always lots you have to say. Kay has been in touch. Hello, John Carpenter's demo of the Hable was right up my alley. It wasn't super techy, and he talked us through so it made sense. Because I'm unable to use a touchscreen, I have considered purchasing one. Now the Hymns Sense Player is supposed to be able to control a smartphone. The Hable controls the phone, but the Sense Player does much more. The Hable commands make sense to me. I'm eager to know if the Sense Player's commands are easy and make sense. I hope that a demo is forthcoming. K. Thank you, Kay. Uh, Well, the good news is, I don't know about a demo, although we will certainly ask the question, but we are going to be talking to Jason Fair, who got his hands on one. Jason's in Toronto. Uh, He listens to the show. He's been on our (gasps) show before. He was on talking... Look out for zombies. Uh, yes, he's. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I put you off. Sorry, carry he's uh, going to be on talking to us about. Actually, he was on talking to us about flight simulator. Remember that uh, we talked about accessible flight oh, simulator. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so he's uh, coming back on to talk to us all about uh, his new sense player, which he's picked up. So uh, he's spending some time with it. If you do have a question, get in touch, and I will pose it to Jason, and hopefully get your answer uh, or get your question answered. I have got a lot of questions. I think for me though. Honestly, the, the big thing is how it's going to work with the iPhone or the Android phone. You know, using it in that connect way of being able to connect and actually use it as almost a, a controller for oh. the device. Like almost like an external keyboard, but not quite because it's not that, right? So I'd be intrigued to see how that actually works. Like could you could you text Why? with it with a T9 keyboard? Can you Why? Why? I'm gonna play what? devil's advocate. Why, Why are we so intrigued by this? I agree, John Carpenter's uh I just love saying his Halloween. full name. John 
Carpenter's <laughs> demo the of car. the Hable one. It was amazing. Right, stop it. <laughs> but uh, why are we so intrigued by being able to control our iPhones when Bluetooth keyboards are, you know, you can pick them up for $10? Why are we so intrigued by these devices? Well, well, the sense is different. I mean, it's not just a control mechanism for the no, iPhone. No. You can do more with it. You, yeah, you know, you're, try, try listening to an audiobook on a Bluetooth keyboard. That's well, you're not specifically easy. interested in in the Connect feature, aren't you? Well, yeah, because I know about the rest of the features. I know it's going to do all the other stuff. Oh, I mean, this okay. is a bit different. This oh. is new to the market. I don't think we've yeah. seen anything like this. The closest I think we've seen to this is the Revo keyboard. That's probably yes. the closest I think we've seen to this before. But it's like taking the Revo keyboard and adding a huge amount of functionality to it. True, true. Yeah, that's one and, way to and doubling the price though at the same time. Yes, it's what six hundred and fifty upwards to eight hundred dollars yes. US camera so or non camera. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We'll talk more about that tomorrow actually because we're going to be joined tomorrow by Janine Stanley uh, from Ira. You know, you know Janine, of course. Janine, Janine, I'm so in love with you. Of course, we're so fedoras. Uh, but she's coming onto the show in a personal capacity to talk about her experience at CSUN this year. She was there, and uh, she got her hands-on with the Sense player, so we'll get a chance to find out about that. But more interesting to me, she got hands-on with the Optima. Uh, that is, of course, the Orbit <gasps> Research Braille laptop. So that I'm more interested in hearing about. No, I mean, nothing wrong with the Sense player. I'm sure a very exciting product, but, you know... That's fine, but I really want to know about this because it's so difficult. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love you all. Um, right, let's go to Aaron, who wants to respond to my thoughts on people leaving Twitter. Oh, we're back to this again. Okay, Uh-oh. here's Aaron and Laura reads our emails. Hi, Stephen and Sean. Stephen, I totally agree with your viewpoint on just leaving a platform quietly. Hallelujah. I personally am very annoyed with the way Elon has decided to musk up the company. From a talent acquisition and leadership perspective, someone needs to show this particular individual how to be a true leader. With that being said, I choose to remain on the platform because I believe Mastodon is a fad, just like other social media platforms before it, aka Clubhouse. Mastodon is just more complicated and honestly harder to get at, whereas Twitter is easier and it is where a lot of companies and people still are. Remember folks, as content creators we have to go where our audience goes. My audience, tech and accessibility peeps, are still on Twitter. When is spreading your information around the internet enough? Signing up for all of these different platforms that pop up is annoying to the most advanced users. I can't imagine what beginning users are thinking and being told. We have to look at needs of people and help them make the best platform decision for them, keeping our bias and opinion out of it. Okay, rant over now, back to studying and finding a job. May the source be with you. God bless, Aaron Linson. Thank you, Aaron. Um, yeah, I, I, don't know, I, I don't know if I'd go so far to say Mastodon's a, a fad, because I think it's been around for a long time alongside and running alongside Twitter. It's just not been picked up by the mainstream, right? I mean, a lot of people have moved over there and... There are people who are using Mastodon who probably think, why are all these people here? This was a nice place. And suddenly it's been <laughs> destroyed by all these people who've just decided to come here because they don't want to use Twitter anymore. Uh, so there's probably that point of view going on over in Mastodon. Um, I, I know, I, don't I think see it's what you're ma- saying. I, don't think it's a fad. I think it's just, the problem is it's not a direct replacement for Twitter. That we can at least all agree on, surely. It's not yes. a replacement for Twitter because it's not the same thing. It's similar, but it's not the same. And it's not as mature. Right, it hasn't got all the features and functionality that we've become used to on Twitter. But I think Aaron's got the point there of, you know, like when WhatsApp, all that fuss over WhatsApp and the privacy being uh, user data being shared, everyone was saying about Signal and Telegram, uh, although they're well-established and still going. I mean, you could say it was a fad that everyone was, oh, well, I'm leaving and going there. Yeah. And everyone sort of drifted and trickled back to WhatsApp, and now everyone's back on WhatsApp anyway. So I, I can see it from that point of view. I agree with you. Mastodon's definitely not a fad. It's been around too long. But at the same time, people rushing over to it, yeah, I'm not too sure. Yeah, a fad like Clubhouse. Hmm, now that's an interesting one. Um, it is. But saying that, I haven't been on Clubhouse in absolutely ages. When were you last on? Well, I go on it every so often, and every time I do, I look at the list of rooms that are active, and I've noticed them just being less and less and less. Or crypto, crypto, exactly. Crypto. Or rooms I would never want. Or you know, sometimes it's the headings that just make you. You know, you read a headline sometimes, and you think, I don't want to be anywhere near that. So unicorns and it. crystals. That's <laughs> that would be facts. one example. Yes, there are others. Uh, let's just say less politically correct. How about that? But the, um, the, the technology behind it is actually really, when I do go in mm. that spatial audio, I think that this is amazing. It sounds really good, um, but yeah, it's one of those. I just 
don't it's such a, a time hole that you need to <laughs> you, could you spend know, hours in there I, I i think it's also because you know it's not really something that's natural i think for sighted people to use and look it has to be popular in order for it to be popular and for it to survive i think it would have to be mainstream and i think there's a Isn't lot of it? business people who like it yeah but, but put it this way i tend to find on these kind of platforms um how can i say this i'll just say I think that it tends to draw people who love to hear the sound of their own voice. Now, you might think, well, why are you not on it, Stephen? Yes, that's exactly uh, what I was going to say. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's for people who just love to... I mean, every time I go on it, I, I, there was one particular room I remember going into, political conversation about something. And just every so often I like to dive into these things. Not to, not, not to talk, really, just to yeah. hear what people have got to say about something. Knowing people, yeah. yeah. No, I, I don't. I genuinely don't okay. speak. I genuinely don't go near these things, but I, li- I will listen. And I was listening to this conversation and this guy just droned on for like half an hour saying nothing. And I thought, this is like the world's worst radio show. Just terrible. You know, if this guy was on air with me, I'd have kicked him off. Mm-hmm. Just bored me. So, you know, I think and I think that's the thing about it. I think it draws those kind of people, it draws the narcissists well, and the everyone gets a radio show, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I that's fine, absolutely. But but that's, or not. that's not gonna be a place I don't think for that is gonna work long term. Because I don't know what the I don't know what the business model is. Unless unless maybe there's more to it than that. I don't know. It just feels a bit dead when you go in and it doesn't feel yeah. like the blind community are certainly embracing it as they used to. A lot of people who I used to follow on there just seem to have drifted away. That's true. Yeah. So, who yeah. knows? I'll give you that. Well but, done. But I Mastodon, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I really, I don't, I, I have to say this. I don't have a downer on Mastodon. I really don't. Sounds like it. Well, I know it do, It probably does sound like it because the way this conversation's gone over the past couple of weeks, people probably think I hate Mastodon. I don't. I just don't. I, I heard someone talking about it recently and there was talk about someone who cross posts. If you cross post on Mastodon and Twitter, Right, so if you send the same send them same message onto both, that's frowned upon, and people might kick you off or you know unfollow you. And I think it's that kind of small. I I used to live in a very small town in northern Scotland, a very very small town, almost village size, mm. and it had a community uh, group who ran all the sort of events and things that went on in the town, and you know dealt with a lot of the, the issues of the town. And I, I have to say, wicker man. When, whenever you, whenever you are in that kind of environment, you think to yourself, "Wow, the the biggest and most crazy politics you'll ever find is at local level." And that's how I feel sometimes with these Mastodon servers. It sounds a bit like, you know, these community people or little groups of people who are just getting together, and because someone can be in charge, they can set out their rules, and you know kick people off. Someone a bit of power, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, well, you and it just gets a little bit, and then like I said, the Minimusk thing starts, you know, you end up with a There's hundreds of thousands, thousands of, of these Minimusks. individual servers out there though, so you're going to get people like that on some of them, but yeah, but, but you the just problem is if, I, if I go on there and say something, which I probably would end up getting kicked off if, that, if that's the case, then I'd be kicked off. What happens? I have to start again on another yes. server? I yes, mean, you do. Just forget it, just forget okay. it. All right. <laughs> Let's hear from Rebecca, who also wants to talk about Mastodon, you'd be pleased to hear. By the way, I'm on Mastodon now, and the problem I'm having is followers are fragmented. Trying to see who is where is confusing, and my time is limited. I'll stay on Twitter for now until I figure out Mastodon. I would love to see a computer built into a keyboard without a Braille display, so you can use your existing units. Why pay for another Braille display if you don't have to? Thanks, as always, for a great show. Wow, thank you, Rebecca. Now, if anyone's going to have... Um, one of these computers in a keyboard, it'll be Rebecca. She seems to have every bit of hardware out there. So uh, yes. I won't be surprised. Um, yeah, more Mastodon. I, you know what? I, I still haven't signed up, so I don't know how it works when it comes to followers and that. And that seems to be sort of the sticky point. No matter how many people explain and give metaphors and similes and analogies of, you know, it's like a city. And it's a, like a, a planet. A, it's, it's like a United planet instead of universe. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah, 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 it's fine. Perfect. But there still seems to be these issues about, you know, fragmented followers and things like that. But um, yeah, well, we'll, we'll wait and see when it comes Look, to Mastodon. That's it. At the end of no, the day, that's it. it's no. different. Okay. It's different. I think that's the point. And, I'm you different know, and that makes me special. Oh, well, you've, you've said a bad word now. You'll get people, people won't like that. You're not what? allowed to say special anymore. I mean, why not? Oh, My no, mum no, calls no, me special, special and I love her. Yeah, 
I mean, maybe it's just for you specifically. That's okay. Yes, thank you. Yeah. That's okay then. We are going to come back and uh, talk more about uh, what you've been saying. Lots and lots of your emails coming in. We'll get to them next here on Double Tap. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at doubletaponair.com. We'll be right back. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. And back into the emails. Felix has been in touch by voicemail. Hello, Double Tappers. This is Felix. One that really put this view across, and it's something that really got me thinking, with, with this discussion of, you know, are we wrong for remaining on Twitter and stuff like that? My question is, who needs who more? That's my question. Who needs who more? So there are plenty of companies uh, and plenty of people who do certain things and they either do it because they enjoy it or they do it because they feel like that's the way things are. Now, we can and have the power to change the narrative. We have the power to change the way the world works if we want to. It's just how it's orchestrated. So I want to make that perfectly clear. So um, let's. Um, so if we talk about Twitter, Twitter is the, you know the hot topic at the moment. You know, are you wrong staying on Twitter and for forever else? But um, in the VI world, I can t- um, companies such as Huawei or how you pronounce that, Huawei, Apple, and the Google, to name a few, have also um, have also um, been uh, you know, in the news um, over the last 10 to 15 years, obviously Hawaii being the latest one regarding infrastructure and the, and the sharing of data. Facebook has also been involved in this mix. Apple has been involved in using uh, workers in an improper way. Of course, this has now been changed, and Apple did state this and change that. Amazon have also been involved in this. Now, um, you, you know, most of us use Amazon. We, you know, I've just mentioned it's all public knowledge, so we are aware of it. Do we then stop using Apple devices, even though we know that it, you know, if we're going to use VoiceOver, we're going to need to use it? Do we stop using Google and stop using Android, but knowing that we need TalkBack? Do we stop using Huawei and then uh, consider using mobile data rather than Wi-Fi because the infrastructures that run that have at least some of the technology uh, created by Huawei. Um, the, you know, the artificial intelligence coming out of, you know, China and certain things. Um, do we stop using those because of to stop giving, you know, um, giving money to who we consider as bad companies or bad people? You know, think about that for a second. So what do you use that could be perceived as terrible and what do you need? Who needs who more? Do the companies need us to buy their you know their stocks or their um their you know their services? Yes they do. Do we need their services? Yes we do for communication. So that's my view. Um hope it all made sense and I'll leave you with what I said earlier. Uh, consider this guys when you think about Twitter and you know for us who stay on on Twitter and keep up the fight. Who needs who more? This has been Felix. Thanks for listening. And uh, good show, guys. Me too. ACDC, great song. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I'm going to let that stand. I I honestly don't know if there's anything more we can say on the whole Twitter debate. Until the next thing hits, whatever that may be, good or bad from Elon or whoever on the platform, I honestly don't know how else, what else to say about it. Honestly, I've got no, no comment to make on that. Although Felix's statement stands, I just don't know what else to say. Yeah. I'm not getting dragged out. I'm, I'm, I'm shushing. Okay. I'm muting myself. Okay, right. Mute yourself. Let's listen to Brian's email instead. Here's Brian. Hi, guys. Quite new to your podcast and enjoy the banter, rants, Keep the anger flowing. No problem. Surprised at your statement about MS clear commitment to accessibility as MS Windows to me seems so slow to introduce truly useful features that are accessible out of the box. 
MS Teams, Office 365, etc. Lots of examples of features that are either inaccessible or require jaw scripting or extensive finger gymnastics to use. Anyway, Microsoft Soundscape is a truly brilliant app that allows me to freely run solo when I'm on the very quite rural lanes in France where I spend some time each year. It allows waypoints, markers to be set up and then gives audio announcements of the distance to any marker. So I can set up an out and back running route with markers at each junction or slight bend in the road and the app allows a route to be made up of multiple markers. So it counts down to the next marker and immediately starts then giving the distance in metres to the subsequent marker. I'm running full gas, dragging my white cane to my right, touching the grass verge, road, grass, road, feeling the line of the road as it flows with me running. With bone conducting headphones on, my ears are clear to hear any distant traffic coming towards me or from behind, and I stop, walk onto the grass, and let any car pass if I do hear anything, and then resume my solo run. Well, unfortunately in June, Microsoft are pulling this app from the App Store. There is no equivalent app that is usable, accurate, and allows a string of markers to be put together and the automation of those distances in metres to be announced as I've described. MS Soundscape was initially a research project, but there are plenty of users and I just don't understand why MS want to pull it. Does it cost them money in just having the app sit there and being used? Just thought I'd share this tech-related dilemma and ask about any suggestions of an alternative. I don't believe BlindSquare, Google Maps or anything else comes close to what Soundscape offered. Glad to be proved wrong though. Many thanks, Brian. P.S. I've got RP but no effective sight, just a little light and dark. P.P.S. I know the roads I run on are clear of anything stationary, parked cars, etc. too. It's just along rural lanes and fields, etc. I managed to get my 10k record of 55 minutes doing this out and back route three times back to back, and it was 35 degrees at the time. Wow. (laughs) That puts us to shame. (laughs) I know, let's just leave a silence there. Wow. And I find it interesting that you sort of seem like you're trying to defend the fact that you're I going know. out running. I know. Don't, don't, you don't have to defend yourself. You Please know don't. when you're safe and when you're not. Absolutely yeah. right. I, I, I got to agree to some extent. I think we do keep lifting Microsoft and putting them forward as an example how their accessibility department has really excelled over the years, right? They, they seem to have turned a corner and they are absolutely fantastic. But there's no getting away from the fact, you know, Windows 8, for example, absolute accessibility car crash when that was first released. Um, and things like Teams and things like the um, universal Windows apps. Um, the, from an accessibility point of view, you know, we really struggled for a while there. And they're not perfect now, Office 365, for example. Yeah, I totally get what you're saying. But Microsoft is such a huge company and accessibility is always being worked on. But I, I totally accept what you're saying about that. But when it comes to the Microsoft Accessibility Department, after talking to them and the response and interaction we get back, and not just as, a, as us as a radio show or anything, but as a, just as an end user, I find them exceptional. I think they do a fantastic job. And hopefully you know, that, that's the first step in making a change throughout the entire organisation, which is huge. And hopefully that will have an impact on things like this. And when it comes to soundscape absolutely i totally agree with you that i can't find anything that has that feature base the same anyway i've tried lazarillo uh, and blind square combined that was quite good but still not the same those waypoints linking is a fantastic feature um i really would like to know why it's being dropped the only thing i will say is that they've made it totally open source and put the code out there so anyone can pick this up compile it and put it in the app store. So let's hope that that does happen. And I see absolutely no reason why it shouldn't. Maybe it will become a feature in all of these apps, Lazarillo, Blind uh, Blind Square, or even Google Maps or Apple Maps. Who knows? Yeah. I, again, it comes back to that thing of, do we completely annihilate a company for one misstep, considering all the other wonderful things they do? Well, it's not just one misstep, though. I mean, you know. That, that, but it's, okay, but it's a fairly, fairly major misstep. I'd I agree with you on yes. that. That it's you know this is a fantastic application. But then again, they are making it open source. They're not oh, sorry. just if they you're were talking just about del- soundscape specifically. Sorry, I was yeah, talking yeah. about yeah. Okay. All well, right. I, but I know what you're saying. I mean, yeah, they've made missteps in the past, and that's true. They've, when it comes to accessibility yeah. of their major projects, yes, huge company makes mistake. I mean, it's not exactly breaking news, is it? Mm, it's almost like Twitter. 
and well, other companies. Yes, we should we should boycott them. I'm dragging it back but there. But, the, yeah, but but that's kind of the point, right? That you know. So how do we look at this? How do we talk about Microsoft as a result of this? Now, of course, in our community, in our world, there is a tendency here for us to kind of go off the deep end a little bit and say, "Look, you know, I know you've done great things over here, but look at this, this big misstep." Now. I think there's a couple of things out of this. One, they've made it open source. I think that's really important. That means it can continue. If they had just said, look, we're ending support for the app, and they could have. They could have just said, look, we're ending support for the app, the end, and we're deleting it out of the app store, and it's gone. I don't think that would have been a huge surprise. I mean, it would have been a surprise in the sense of people would have been upset and disappointed, all those things. But that would have almost felt, okay, well, fair enough, or, you know, okay, that's what happens. The fact they kept it going, the fact they've said, look, we'll put the, the source you know, code out there and people can pick it up and, and take it and run with it, I think is good. So I'm really glad they did that. But I agree. I mean, I think Soundscape is a huge loss to the community in itself because I don't I know, whatever it comes back, and, and look, who knows? Someone will have designs on this already. Someone is thinking out there, how can I embed this into what I do? Clearly there's a market for it. Maybe monetize it. Who knows? This could be something that could be really, really useful to a lot of people. And I think it will come back in some form. But I think we cannot annihilate an entire company and all of the good work they've done. I do praise Microsoft for the work they've done because I can look at the bigger picture. You've got to zoom out a little bit from this and say, okay, yes, the Soundscape story, not great. But zoom out a little bit here. Look at where we are with Microsoft accessibility. Is it perfect? No. But I'll tell you the bigger thing here. And I know this because of the stuff I've seen with their spending time with the guys doing the Ability Summit, watching the Ability Summit this year, hearing how they talk about accessibility. I was talking to someone just the other day about this. I said, you know, Apple do great things with accessibility. Microsoft talk about great things with accessibility. They tell other people what they're doing, what they're up to, where they're going. They encourage other businesses and companies to do it. They give them the tools to do it. And, you know, this year's Ability Summit was kind of less about more tools for us as disabled people to use and actually more about tools for other people out there who want to make sure that their content is accessible. And I think that was a really interesting change in direction this year. Not to say that, okay, the job's done on the tools and what we require, but actually to say, okay, there's lots of great stuff going on here, but we also need to invite other people in. And that's what I think Microsoft do really well. They talk well to business. And look, if they don't do that, we're all at risk. We really are all at risk because it's hard enough for us to get a job. But if someone from that company can be in there shouting about what we as disabled people are capable of, and obviously they're talking about it through the prism of the technology they sell, then that maybe changes, just maybe nudges the needle a little bit towards, okay, maybe I could employ a disabled person then. That actually makes sense. And that's one, just one example Mm. of all the benefits that this brings. Now, I mean, what else do you do? Do we just trash them because they get rid of Soundscape and just, oh, well, you know, it doesn't matter. All the other stuff they've done, just throw it out. I, again, I just oh. can't I can't see it in that way. And it does, I mean, this marries up with my view on Twitter, which is, yes, it's a oh, no. cesspit. It's oh. a nightmare. It's run by a guy who clearly is out of his depth. Fine. Okay, it's not ideal, but look what we've built on it as a community. I'm not interested in him. I'm interested in the community that we've Come built up Twitter. on this thing. Again, I'm, no, I'm just, I'm just sharing okay. the fact that my view is it's consistent. S similar, yeah. All right, I would, I would say, look, it doesn't mean that we can't, um, we can't. I don't want to say attack. What's the word I'm looking for? We can't um, say criticize. To, and we, we, and we should criticize. You. We can't. Yeah, it's not. We're not saying we can't criticize Microsoft no. when they do something like make a, a platform inaccessible or there's glaring problems there. Of course we can. But what we can also recognize is the work that the accessibility department do, and they do a fantastic job. And oh, I'm going to put myself out on a limb here and say I don't think they did for the longest time. But I think now for the the last God knows how many years, they've done a fantastic job, as have the, you know, the people that we talk to in, in Apple accessibility as well. And in lots of the accessibility departments, they're fantastic people that do an amazing job. doesn't mean we're not going to criticise the other parts of that company. That, you know, yeah, why is it always binary? Why, this is what causes the argument. It's always binary. Well, you know, they've done something wrong or they could do something wrong, so don't praise them for it. And that's the mistake. And in some ways, I think it will come out one day because I've heard this rumour before, and I've mentioned it on the show, that 
one of the biggest issues was that Soundscape didn't get much in the way of feedback. People probably used it, people loved it, but no one was feeding back. I don't back. buy that. I, didn't no, buy I, that I, I think all. that's probably true. I think, there's a, I think there's probably a little bit of, because look, let's be honest about it. When you get great service somewhere, you never go back and say thanks. You never write a review that says this was the best they experience. They got the analytics. Or it was they, know, they know how, how much it's being used. They know when it's being used. They've got all the analytics there. They know exactly. I, I, I find it interesting. This is a huge loss to our community. I think we all can agree on that. I would love to know why. Has there been interviews out there? Has there been podcasts out there, radio shows out there that have said no. why this has happened? I would love to speak to someone from Microsoft and just know, okay, explain why Soundscape had to go. Because I think it is important and it is a big, uh, it has a big impact on our community. Sean Priest with the big news coming soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, shall we get another email? Yes. Uh, let's get one from Camille. I am wondering if it's easier to walk around Glasgow than Regina as a visually impaired. Since both of you were here, I thought I should ask. In 2017, I visited, among other cities, Amsterdam and Prague. Their streets were accessible, of course, but in a different way than ours. The audible pedestrian signals emitted louder and easier to identify sounds. They also have the visual signal at eye level as opposed to about 10 feet high. Our visual signals are very hard to identify on a sunny day. The audible signals are also set at different levels, which make them very hard to hear during high traffic. Of course, if I was to go out for a stroll at 4am, say, to go grab some McDonald's, then it may be just fine. Getting to my ophthalmologist means walking about 10 blocks as there are no audible pedestrian signals closer. I do not mind walking, but at minus 40, well, that is a different story. (laughs) I totally agree with John's email regarding negative Julian. The man is witty and a brilliant writer. He should have a column in a newspaper if he does not already have one. I agree. Have a nice day. Camille from Regina, Saskatchewan. Where's uh, Camille from, Sean? He's from Saskatchewan, uh, (sighs) home of the Roughbacks. Stop Uh, saying that. It's uh, not that. There was lots of geese there. I I loved them. All on the the road. geese, I believe. Uh, I believe so. Uh, I can't Which say would make the, sense in Canada, I guess. The roads are huge. It's, the whole place is just massive. I felt like a like a dwarf there. It was huge. And trying to cross the road to get to that that much uh, wanted KFC. Wow! <laughs> it was like a laptop. It was like a control deck of a of a plane trying to work that pedestrian crossing. I want to get to that island, and then that. It was crazy. Uh, I absolutely agree. But it's funny. There's other parts that I was talking to someone from Greece saying, well, you know, you say about the, your mobility problems, but a lot of places here don't even have sidewalks. And when they do, mm. they're slippery, tiled sli- uh, sidewalks and they have, they're full of A-frames or shops that have their <laughs> entire contents on the pavement. You don't know you're born. And I can't say, yeah, what can you say to that? You're absolutely right. Everywhere is different. Yeah. And, and also in saying that, when I came to visit you in Manchester, in your yes. hometown, uh, yes. getting from my hotel to the McDonald's involved me crossing five roads to cross one. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I, I stay out of the big city. I don't like it. I mean, it was I, just I ridiculous. I couldn't, I mean, I had to cross one road over here. I basically had to go all the way around <laughs> and had to cross, there was four roads I had to cross, which were basically one road, but it was it split into two. I know. Two islands just, in the middle. Oh, and, so ridiculous. And I'm like, and then when you, am I going to get there? I'm starving. I'll, I'm going to die of hunger trying to get to McDonald's. And then you're crossing the road and you hit railings and you think, right, yeah. am I too old to vault over these? And if I do, is the actual opening just two foot to my left? And I look like a right idiot. I did Either it way. once. I did that <laughs> once and I thought, I'll just jump over these. Didn't realise... Big dip on the other side. Bad idea. Bad idea. Um, oh. No, I, I will say, I mean, I have to be honest, I, we didn't really walk around too much in Regina because Mark had that big, I mean, the most ridiculously cut, ridiculous. huge car I've ever been in my life, um, which I had to climb into. a step ladder to get out. It was huge. I expected to be, you know, on the back of that, like a 40-foot trailer. <laughs> you know, it was, just a, it was a truck. It was really just a truck. It was a minus hotel a on wheels. It yeah. was massive. But we we did drive around, but we did have a walk at that that morning, especially. And the one thing I immediately noticed was that the, and I don't know if this was just on a, a particular road, I imagine it was, but how the sidewalk was so far away from the main road itself. That yeah, was there was a grass verge. Yeah, that's what I meant. There was the pavement, oh, yeah. sorry, sidewalk, and then there was a grass verge, and then there was a road. And on that grass verge was a thousand geese. And I don't like geese. They can break your arm. 
like yeah. swans. Also, the other thing I'm very aware of when I'm in other countries... Don't move on from the geese problem. No, okay, fine, right, geese were there, whatever. But the, the height of the Fire curb... Geese. The height of the curb... Geese. <laughs> geese. <laughs> with geese. Uh, the height of the curb is always geese. fascinating to me. Why? I didn't notice, was it? Do you not notice? I, I, some of these curves are just deep? so high. And really? you think, wow, you know, what is that about? Maybe it's because these gigantic cars people step out of. That's true. The curb has to be almost up at, you know, a train level, train station level. Well, um, Canadians are big people as well. Oh, well, there we go. That's another career over. Well, it was lovely working with you, Sean. I'm just, I'm just saying very tall people. Oh, tall. Right. Yes. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You walked I into love that Canada. One. Yeah. God bless you, Mr. F. <laughs> <laughs> That, that suddenly went awkward. I'm just saying, everyone seems to be six foot seven in Canada. I just, I don't think that, I'll be honest, I, I've travelled around the world quite a bit and I, there's nowhere really that kind of stands out as being uh, particularly challenging, except for Africa. And that may not surprise most people. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. But that was the only place that I've, because really there was very little in terms of, I will say this, in the city, like in Ghana where I was, that, that, you know, it was a fairly... Just regular like city. city. Yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. I will say one thing. The roads were better. That really blew me away. The roads were better. I, I couldn't really get my head around that one. But um, yeah, just it was interesting. But yeah, it, 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 what, Dubai was the place that really surprised me because it was the cleanest place. I, could, I feel like I could eat my dinner off the streets. The question is how that was possible. And I didn't really want to ask any questions. Yes. Mm. Okay. Anyway. Wow, this was a roller coaster. There you go. Something to travel show. It's a travel oh, show, honestly. Wow. Stephen's views on the world. <laughs> um, but listen, I just want to quickly mention as well, because we get a lot of emails in from uh, Rebecca, who's been in touch, and uh, she's sent in lots and lots of comments. Uh, so I'm going to try and bring these together. But ultimately, we're talking about one thing, which is this Note, N-O-T-E-Y. I think I mentioned this yesterday, uh, which is this new product, which... It's kind of like a, a project, really. You can buy all the components. The suggestions are there of what all the components are. And you can build your own Braille input Windows 11 computer, which I think would be quite interesting. But she did also ask, she's, she's intrigued to know what I think about computers that have got Intel Atom processors. Um, I have, yeah, I think that sums it up, to be honest. Terrible, I would say. I mean, I, I, this goes back to the days of the netbook. And I see a lot of these computers, especially nowadays with, um, and I don't know if it's the case in Canada, but here we have in the UK options to buy a computer like a laptop with 5G connectivity built in. But the laptop seems to be significantly underpowered. It doesn't even have an Intel processor in it. In some cases, it's some either a Qualcomm or a Snapdragon yeah, processor. and it It'll feels be ARM-based, yeah. ARM-based, right. yeah. Now, okay, granted, that could work, but... I don't think we're at the stage yet, are we? We're not at the stage where Microsoft Windows on ARM is ready for prime time. Well, you've run it on your Mac. I mean, it was okay, but it comes. Oh, I mean, it works. It does work. It, it, yeah. Um, but what? But what's out there? I mean, no, what, we're not what there. Is the, we're not there. I I don't know what's out there in terms of availability of hardware that you would you, know, you wouldn't point to like a Dell product at this point and say, right, that Dell laptop, that's the one you want. That's ARM-based, and it's, you know... I mean, the only closest I think we've no. seen is the Surface Pro X from Microsoft, and I think that's been killed off as well, hasn't it? Well, that that, that tells a, a thousand stories, doesn't yeah. it? If Microsoft are killing off their own ARM-based products, then it's not ready for prime time. It, it just isn't. People aren't ready, or more importantly, I suspect it's enterprise isn't ready to switch over from the x86 architecture of the current intel um processors so yeah i gotta say that when it comes to the atom processors they can be very tempting i've been looking at the pc on a stick um hardware for a long time you mm -hmm. know just something you plug into the hdmi like a fire tv stick running windows yeah you can plug in a usb extender on it and things sounds great sounds perfect for just browsing the web and running a screen reader but running an Intel Atom or even in some cases a Celeron processor when it comes to using a screen reader with them, forget it. It's not, well, it it I mean, just doesn't work well enough. You might get away with narrator, but don't expect NVDA yeah, no. or JAWS to work on that. No, it's not worth the hassle. Just, no, I, and I think, isn't. you know, this is, I think, part of the reason why we've seen so many issues with early versions of this, of equivalent of what we are seeing from Orbit Research, the Optima. 
you know, people, I see a lot of people saying, you know, we've seen these products before, they've come and they've gone. But I think the biggest problem has been power. It just doesn't have the grunt in it. It does, It's nothing. It's just basic, you know, cheap, nasty processor with, you know, a little bit of RAM, you know, running a, a you know, probably a spinning Someone's drive. Being harsh. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but it's true though, no, right? And that's probably what kills right. it. Yep, it's, it's previous generations of, of hardware that just aren't up to the job. I'm recently got hold of a laptop just running an i3, a core i3, which is the entry level, you know, the budget mm. CPU, Intel CPU. And I got to say, it was fine. I would say that is where you need to start when you're looking at any computer for running a screen reader, at least uh, a core i3 from Intel. Uh, and even then, there was some noticeable pauses while I'm waiting for things to open up, even the start menu, say, for example. But, you know, uh, it was usable. But anything under that, I would say, no, it's not worth the trouble. Mm, okay. Listen, we're out of time. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to talk more about that Optima Brill laptop. We're going to be joined by Janine Stanley on the show tomorrow, plus more of your comments as well. And uh, you're going to talk about Logitech options, aren't you? Oh, I love it and hate it. Yes, Logitech yeah. Options Plus. The software for Logitech keyboards. Interesting. And uh, also we'll be learning how you can uh, make specific settings changes on your Mac keyboard. And even if you have multiple Mac keyboards, <laughs> like me, uh, then you can make changes on different ones that will set so that you don't have to keep changing settings about. Very interesting. Michael Ooh. Babcock is here with that information. On the show tomorrow, we will catch you then. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Love Double Tap? Did you know we're on the TV too? Check out brand new episodes of Double Tap TV on AMI-TV every Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Or binge on all episodes online at ami.ca forward slash Double Tap. We're also on YouTube. Search for Double Tap to catch our episodes there too. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.